Warning, this podcast contains heavy spoilers for not just one movie, but entire franchises. We highly recommend going and watching these movies before listening to us as a companion piece that stitches all the timelines into one creepy, crime-ridden story. There will be no more spoiler warnings. We do not break character. After this, there is no turning back. You've been warned. Hit the music. You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! An elderly man went into his doctor's office for his yearly physical when his doctor handed him a jar and asked him for a sperm sample. The doctor gave the man his jar and said, take this jar home and bring, it, bring me back a semen sample tomorrow so we can get a sperm count. The next day, the 89-year-old man walked into the doctor's office and gave him the jar. However, the jar was as spotless and empty as it had been when the doctor gave it to the man. The doctor, being confused, asked, what happened? So the man explained, well, doc, it's like this. First, I tried with my dominant right hand, but nothing happened. Then I tried with my left, and still nothing. Then later, after a while trying, I asked my wife for help. She tried with her right hand, and then with her left, and gave it all she could, but still nothing. She even tried with her mouth. First, she tried with her teeth in, then with her teeth out, and still nothing. Finally, we even called up Carol, the lady next door, and she tried too. First with both hands, then under her arm, then with her mouth, her legs, and she even tried to squeeze it between her knees but still nothing the doctor was shocked you asked your neighbour the old man replied yeah and none of us could open that damn jar (laughs) (laughs) doctor quick he's losing a lot of blood he needs an infusion what's his blood type nurse be positive doctor I'm trying but he's lost a lot of blood Hello and welcome to It's Alive Alive podcast. This is a true crime, paranormal, interstellar podcast breaking down unbelievable stories that sound like they were ripped straight from the pages of a Hollywood script. I'm your host, the man of many names, the outlaw Harley Ray, the bruiser Bronson, Dr. H.R. Smokenstein, THC, or you can just call me Josh for short. And with me as always is my very own scream queen, the perfect combination of beauty and brains, the gorgeous, the sexy Amy Rose. Sup? <laughs> Good evening. How are you doing after last week? Grand. Yeah, the anxiety yeah. gone. Uh, yeah, actually. It was literally just just that last week. That yeah, I uh, I, I, do you know what? I think I've been so fucking busy with it. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to think, overthink it anymore, do you know? Yeah. And yeah, we're kind of getting busier with it. Yeah, we did the one thing we swore we weren't going to do. We joined TikTok. <laughs> and that's what's oh, yeah. taking up all my time now because I realised I didn't have to do stupid silly dances. I could just mm-hmm. make the videos beforehand and then post them. Yeah. See, so that now, was my thing. Yeah. I wasn't going dancing on TikTok. But yeah, but now it takes time to make those videos. <laughs> but the only upside is I just take those videos and then share them on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And yeah. It's not like i got to do three different posts. I just make one post and move and on. It goes on, yeah. So it works out. But I think last week's episode, I was listening to last week's episode, and I mm. think we, I think the production meeting helped. We got it right, you know, we, we knew where what direction we were easier. going. It was easier, yeah, it was easier to go. We were able to flow, so mm. you know, I, I like that episode. I think it's the best episode we've done yet. How about my own? Yeah, yeah, I liked your one too, but yeah. I just think as we go along, we're progressing and it's getting it's better and better and better. You think that the best episode is your episode. <laughs> Well, maybe you'll top it there. I don't think so. No, no, I'm joking. This is. Oh, and if you do next week, I'm going to kick your ass because I got a, I got a good one next week. I'm actually excited, really, really excited about next week. I've been doing a lot of research and I've been enjoying the research, Mm -hmm. and it's going to make me seem like a bit of a psychopath next week when I get into it because I've enjoyed it so much. You said the same about Ghostface, though. Yeah, but the. They're not even as crazy as these people I'm covering. Or they, the people I'm covering so know it's more is more than one person. <sighs> prolific is, is a, a word that gets thrown around a lot in true crime and serial killers and all this stuff. But this family definitely is prolific. Oh, good game away. Killing. 
Oh, it's good. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> but before we get into all that, you got your stuff to do, and I think it's good. We're feeling more confident this week with it. You know, yeah. we're getting into it a bit more. We're relaxing yeah. a bit more. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We need to fucking make this more relaxing. What? New chairs. Oh, holy shit! Can't. My ass yeah, is my killing butts. me. No, I can't even feel my nose. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just, it's not even funny anymore. We do everything on these chairs we write the scripts on these chairs we do the production meetings on these chairs we edit on these chairs and then we gotta record on these chairs and they are hard as fuck kitchen chairs we are getting new chairs though oh we're gonna get those big ones with the vibrating kind of massage, massage things chairs. And, oh definitely probably can't have them on the vibrate on though because they're loud yeah yeah aren't they I have no idea we'll get silenced them silencers what silencers on the chair now said we get silenced ones <laughs> Silence. Oh, the silenced one, someone. That's that one with a silencer. I mean, pew. <laughs> <laughs> that always pissed me off when I watch shows, right? And they had the silencer on the gun, but you'd still hear the gun because obviously, like you said, that pew instead of that, but you'd still hear those little. Like, oh yeah, I no, probably I, just trick trick myself into like a fly head just flown past. They do sound like that when we went up to the gun range. And uh, we were uh, went to work and we were doing rifles in the, do you know, like the long range you see on yeah. the movies and stuff with the piece of paper at the end with the human shape on it. So and uh, yeah, you know, so we all had our, the rifles in front of us and we were using them, but one of the rifles stopped working. Uh. So the guy that was watching us, supervising, gave that guy his rifle, but his rifle had a silencer on the top of it. And it was like that. Like the rest of ours was... Why did he need a silencer? His was just... Uh-huh. It was like holy shit they're really exactly what it is like but yeah I asked myself the same question what does this man need a silencer for but like I would assume one thing he could, oh yeah so you don't scare mm-hmm. off anything else around the area that would be my guess I no, assume if you work in a gun range or a hunt, you're going to be into hunting I don't or you just want to try out all the gear it <laughs> <laughs> was the first time I ever shot a gun I'd go up there yeah. again it was fun stress reliever especially the shotgun yeah oh yeah the clay pigeon shooting I'm going to try fun. that yeah, I thought it'd be really, really hard, but once you kind of get it, it, you get it, like, and you hit it. One guy with us didn't miss one, and he'd never shot a gun in his life. You sure? He claims that not of. <laughs> He's from one of those countries, though, though, where I think they make you go to the army for a while, but he claims he wasn't. Huh. And he was just blowing him on the sky. Lots of video games. Uh, Lots of video games. I do not cross him at work. but uh yeah like we were saying i think the production meeting definitely helped yeah we got our shit together and all we need is a producer a proper producer like our very own clem fandango oh yeah (laughs) i don't like clem fandango so i don't want to clem fandango anyway it's clem fandango can you hear me (laughs) oh god oh man you were telling me right i never knew this I, i always just thought it was on tv Mm-hmm. Again, I, I think most things in my life, I, I hear stuff, it's just like, I just think that happens on TV. That's mm-hmm. like, I, I notice I say that a lot in the show. Uh, I saw this on TV, I heard this on TV. I don't actually go on According anywhere. to South Park. <laughs> yeah, for a very long time, South Park, Family Guy, American Dad, Simpsons, these, these were the things that educated me. And I stick by it with South Park. South Park is not a bad show. When we were kids, it was made out like it was this X-rated toilet humor show. When you look at it, it is teaching you how to be a good person. There's a, a, a lesson to be learned at the end of each show, and it's a genuine lesson. And usually it's like the episode is an example of a bad person or doing a wrong thing and by yeah. the end of the episode they've figured out why it no, is a wrong yeah, thing no, or why it is a bad thing. So while you do use derogatory terms throughout the episode, mm-hmm. they explain at the end why you shouldn't be doing that and why only assholes do that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Saltback actually taught our generation how to be better people. No, I'm, I don't disagree with you there, but I think relying on South Park for genuine facts <laughs> is a whole different matter. <laughs> okay. I don't know. We'll agree to disagree. I'm agreeing <laughs> with you here. I'm just, there's an add-on. <laughs> well, um, anyway, Amy was telling me about her likes. I just never look at my spam emails, right? I just mm. assume it's just rubbish. I'm right? afraid I'll miss something. Every now and again, if I'm expecting something, I'll go and I'll have a quick glance yeah. through just to make sure it's not a calendar. Mm. But you were telling me like that you get like all these, uh, <laughs> the, the stereotypical ones you see on, on oh, TV, like all uh, the princes like and like a billionaire like 40 and... times over if they were all real. But that's what I say to you. If you just answer them all back, if there's that many there and one of them 
<laughs> is, is real. We're set for life. We don't have to do anything else ever again. I don't want a billion euro. What? I don't want a billion euro. That's what I'm saying. Like, so some of, some of these emails are, are offering me 40 billion euro. Well, I don't think if you think I'd want like one billion. I Why think not? a tiny bit under, but it just seems that... that, that Take it and give it some of it to charity. I don't know. Don't be turning your nose up at a billion. No, thanks. No, if you offered me a million. You are a terrible haggler. <laughs> if you don't want the rest of the money, give it to charities and keep the amount you want. But I never said I wasn't going to take it off him. You said you wouldn't want the billion. Yeah, but I never said how I was going to get rid of that billion. You <laughs> right, jumped. Get on your emails. Come on. Like right, get on your emails. Let's see. Let's start going through them. Find a legit one. <laughs> I'm sure there's an African prince there somewhere who's legit. <laughs> oh, and then you were saying as well the ones that were really threatening to uh, release your dirty history yeah and apparently <laughs> videos of me watching that dirty history <laughs> well, again I thought that was only in Black Mirror when the kid panics and he finds out the camera's been watching him jack off the whole time yeah. they're really emails and that is something that would only bother someone that age as well so that was well targeted <laughs> yeah I've gotten a few and I know they're all like worded the exact same like from different play but it's all yeah that they're going to release those videos of me we were yeah, we were talking about it the last day and when you were saying it we were watching because obviously we, we made our little Clem Fandango joke a few minutes ago so we were we found the Toast of London and the Toast oh, of yeah. Kensington we've been watching that mm. and that's hilarious and we were talking about how good it would be to have <laughs> Toast do the voiceover reading of one of your uh Dirty porno emails, <laughs> spam emails. The dirty porno emails are the African prince offering me like millions of dollars. <laughs> right away, right away. We got to get on cameo, see so on there and pay him to do these. I want to know oh, how he pronounces oh, pornography. If we do, right? If we do, if we manage to find like some cameo site with, with Matt Berry on it and he agrees to do this. When he comes on, so if we could do a live one, when he comes on the screen, we are to be dressed as Clem Fandango on another take. <laughs> I want to be Clem Fandango when he was in the standing soaker thing with all the ice around him. Oh, fuck. You can be, uh, you can wear uh, your man's hat, the uh, fry up hat. The one with the, the finished barrier with the rashes things sticking out of it. Oh, do you know what made me laugh the last time that was uh, when he went to the doctor and it was Dr. Harold Shipman Shipman <laughs> any confusion no 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 he's Shipman I'm, I'm Shipman, Shipman. <laughs> would you change your name I'd change my name oh fucking definitely yeah I was wondering that though was there any fucking uh, John Germany was there any Adolf's or was that name completely wiped out after Hitler I think Hitler might have just been wiped out after Hitler but his relations in America changed their name I, I don't know I don't Adolf's. think I, I, but Adolf in particular. I, I, I think people were still frowning about using that name. Well, I presume Dolph is short for Adolf. Or Rudolph. Don't know. Hmm. have to look it up. What's yeah. uh, Dolph Undergan's full name? Is it just Dolph? I think so. What about Dolph Ziggler? That's a fake <laughs> name. <laughs> uh, what is his real name? I can't remember his real name, though. But uh, yeah, but yeah, if my name was Harold Shipman and I was a doctor, I would change my name for professional reasons, one hundred percent. Definitely, Harold Boatman. <laughs> <laughs> Harold Trainman, Carmen. Carmen's Carmen. far enough, yeah, far enough away from a ship. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Harold Space Rocket Man. <laughs> Rocket Man, yes, Carl Rocket Man, Harold Rocket. Why do I keep calling him Carl? Carmen, just not be Carmen. Yeah, that's a name already. All right. <laughs> no, we're going with Harold Rocket Man. That's what I changed my name to. Oh, he's Complete so cute. Complete opposite. I am not in the sea. I am in the sky. The skies, no, they'll be on. <laughs> <laughs> See, we got you. We got your conspiracy mind working there, Amy. <laughs> the Harold Shipman conspiracy. <laughs> He's in disguise. He's real. <laughs> yeah, rocket man. Oh, God. <laughs> well, it would make far more interesting. We were only saying on, uh, on Real Monsters yesterday when we were uh, recording it that he is one of the most boring <laughs> fucking no, uh, angels of death ever. No episode out of him. Nope. Not really. No. Not unless you want to. Oh, you can make a 10-minute fucking mini episode. Then. 
Harold Shipman got sick of his <laughs> patience, killed him off and moved on, and that's about it. Played a bit of golf, chilled out with the wife. Did we not watch something about him? Got arrested, hung himself. Huh? Did we not watch something about him? No, I, I think I put a documentary on one one day and I got bored after about 10 minutes and turned it <laughs> Says off. Says a lot, so. Well, yeah. But uh, speaking of angels of death, <laughs> you've got one for us today. I do. And I will admit, I know a little bit about this story. Mm. I know about her ending because I'm a big fan of the true crime wink wink uh, writer uh, Stephen King so I know a bit about the whole uh, her um, kidnapping that other author Paul Sheldon yeah for a minute I thought that you were going to say that you were um, a fan of the the romance writer no (laughs) I'm not a fan of misery but uh, I did try and read one once a bit too girly for me yeah. Yeah, I prefer Stephen King's kind of telling of Paul Sheldon. Even Paul Sheldon's telling of what happened to himself is a bit exaggerated. So Stephen King was nice and grounded. We actually talked about that so. about the exaggeration in his story. Ah. Mm-hmm. Right. Tell me about it. Tell me about it because I didn't know a lot about her her past. Oh, okay. I, I really just know about what happened there and there. Bits and pieces about what happened there. What was in the book? She's an interesting past, and there's loads of bodies. So. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Go for it. So, Annie Wilkes was born on the 1st of April in 1943 to Crisilda, who's also sometimes known as Nancy, and Carol Wilkes. So, from the very beginning, she displayed signs of being a bit of a troubled human being. She was homeschooled very early on by her father due to her anger issues. And she used to be bullied early, or bullied in elementary school due to her extreme dyslexia. And one day, she actually got into trouble for smashing the head of a girl who had been bullying her into her lunchbox. That's well, not that bad. That happened to me. Uh-huh. I deserved it though. It was, uh, and we ended up being friends afterwards. So it wasn't all that bad. But uh, Joe, uh, fucking, we were in, must have been in like junior or senior or something like that. It was an early, early on, like in school. Mm. But uh, Rory Fry got uh, his ear pierced, <laughs> so we were all slagging him about it. Mm. And then I started taking the piss out of him while we were waiting for the bus. And that little prick had a fucking metal lunchbox, and I got it right upside the head. And that was my oh. first black guy. Yeah. yeah, you see, in my head, Annie probably repeatedly. <laughs> oh, no, it was one head. smack, yeah. and you know, it was over, and we were friends after that, and that was it. <laughs> Men are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's important to point out, though, that Annie, while she didn't have a very bad start to life, she didn't have the best start to life. Her mother was very mentally unstable to the point that she actually even tried to kill Annie in an attempted murder suicide. But we'll touch on that again a bit later. See, that's a lot like um, when we were talking about Danny Rowling in Real Monsters, the first episode. Mm. His mother, he found his mother trying to commit suicide and then he went out and tried to do it and enjoy copying the mother again. And we see it obviously with Billy and Nancy and later on when we yeah. cover Norman and Norman Bates. There's a lot of this mother-child kind of craziness. Yeah. yeah. So forensic psychologist Dr. Marie Reed Malloy has said that Annie had a virtual catalogue of mental illness. According to Dr. Malloy, Annie suffered from bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder with schizoid, schizotypal and obsessive compulsive and sadomasochistic, sadomasochistic <laughs> features. Uh, he also believed uh, that her profile was typical of people that stopped celebrities. It's very like... Um Again, Nancy in, 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 in the Ghostface series. That's almost identical oh, yeah. to, to the list of problems I said she had. And technically, when you think back she on stopped. it now, yeah, she was stalking yeah. gay like, for a lot of the longest time before she went and did what she did. So Exactly. Yeah, there's connections there. Yep. Everything Annie, connects oh. to Ghostface. <laughs> Ghostface cult. See, we said at the first episode, we joked that we'd start building this you series on the Ghostface fucking Ghost cult. We're now building on it. Slowly but surely, the cult theory is growing. <laughs> I'm just pointing out you're getting a bit obsessed at this stage. So. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like Charlie with the strings on the board from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so Annie also appeared to have psychosis, psychopathy and schizophrenia. Uh, she experienced extreme mood swings, which are a strong symptom of borderline personality disorder and severe bouts of depression, which sometimes lasted for a day or more. Uh, she also displayed extreme paranoia. I mean, Annie clearly inherited her mother's mental disorders. 
So it's said that she actually set fire to her neighbor's house at the age of 13, yeah. killing three kids, their father and their baby cousin. Holy shit. Yeah, allegedly she got tired of the children's bratty ways while she was babysitting. So this was just a way of getting rid of an annoyance. Yeah, yeah, she didn't want to have to be babysitting. Oh. Or they deserved Rough. it. She just got sick of them and set them on fire. Yeah, that's it. Cool. People were uh, <laughs> expendable. Hey Annie, let's be friends. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Uh, Annie's father Carl was a writer and would call Annie his number one fan so he'd let Annie transcribe his books from pen and paper to typewrite which was supposed to help Annie's learning to read you know, to, to, to get her head around so it's like an early explanation to her later motives maybe I would you say know, so obviously this wraps right back around to the Paul Sheldon story mm. later 100% so, because they were a bit unsuccessful in caring for Annie's education and mental well-being into her teenage years, her mother hired a tutor to help Annie named Rita Green. Oh, what age is this Rita? And would you say she is relatively attractive? No, I think about 28. Oh, to quote Star Wars, I've got a bad feeling about this. I'm fucking nerd. <laughs> Well, in time, Rita did gain Annie's trust and she provided the care that Annie had lacked from the mother and father and Annie's behaviour did improve. But this was short-lived as Rita betrayed Annie's trust by having an affair with her father. Call it! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nerd you. <laughs> Eventually, Nancy found out about the affair and filed for divorce, and that's when her mental state really started to decline. And that's when she attempted a murder-suicide by driving into a lake with Annie in the car. I don't know why. Of all the gruesome shit I watch on TV... Anytime I see somebody like a, a woman, a mother driving into a lake with her kids, always creeps like me out. Always that. like makes nope. me uncomfortable. Mm. I, I love Soap Park, but that my brother's favorite episode, or brother's own episode, where his mom does that with him. That episode seems so dark and so creepy and seedy mm. to me. It's so weird. I love watching it, but you know, it's it just is dark. the tone yeah. is so fucking oh. So thankfully, Annie survived, but Nancy succeeded. Just like herself. Butters, good Thanks. job, Nancy. <laughs> Did Butter's mom die? No, she uh, ends up getting out of the car. She she decides to go home and kill herself. She's just killing him in the lake. Oh, okay. She's okay. Uh, about to hang herself when the father comes in the door. And oh, I remember her. that. Yeah. yeah, I remember it. So, See, dark fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> Annie's mental instability also worsened when her father, in her view at least, replaced Annie, his number one fan, with Rita and their newborn daughter, Evangeline, who was born out of the affair. So this girl with rejection anxiety, this is this is the same girl who burnt down a house full of people out of annoyance, right? Yeah, sure is. Yeah, yeah, sure. This is all going to end very peacefully for Papa Wilkes and his lovely new family. Well, Annie's relationship with her father did eventually culminate in his death. Uh, on publishing his new novel, Carl decided to dedicate the book to Rita instead of Tanny. So they think that Annie pushed Carl down the stairs after having an argument with them. Good. Looks like an accident. Well, Good first kill, Annie. Nice job. Yeah, the official cause of, of death for her father was multiple skull fractures Definitely and broken an neck. accident. Mm, but then Annie stabbed Rita to death and kidnapped Evangeline. Oh, God damn it, Annie. Rookie mistake. You were getting away with it and then you stab up another one. You see that just getting over excited. Greedy. Yep. Greedy killing, that is. Absolutely. So what does she do with the kid? Uh, so the cops followed Andy, uh, Andy, Andy. Annie's, <laughs> followed Annie and Evangeline's trail to the same lake that Annie's mother drove into, and they found some articles of clothing there. But uh, the, that's it. Went cold, just like. went cold. They searched the lake, but they never found any bodies. And then the next time Annie shows up on record is when she was in college, but by that stage she was out of date and out of sight and without Evangeline. See, that's the thing back then, like, as soon as, you know, because of there being no internet, no central kind of communication system, and because the cops seemed to, I don't, I never understood that, why they were all in competition with each other over in America. It's Do my, you know, yeah, when you see it on TV and they're like, this is like, my case. But that's it, state <laughs> to state, they're fighting with each other, fucking district to district within the states, they're fucking fighting with each other. So it's like, outside your own community, it's next to impossible to get information on but crime. But is it because like, you know, in America, like, you'd associate some crimes, like, you'd know the cops working on the crimes, they'd be big names, but, like, over here, like, do you know, 
Mm. No idea. Yeah, I, don't I don't really. I know it's all stats and funding and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I said, that's the biggest problem when you look at America. It's such a businessy kind of country. Mm-hmm. So if your stats aren't good, you're not making money. You're not producing it. And if your stats money, not so, good, no? they're just going to close the whole precinct and there'll be no cops and then... <laughs> Loads of any works <laughs> running around the place doing whatever the fuck they want. Yep. <laughs> uh, so for the next few years after that, Annie kept to herself and eventually graduated from nursing school in 1966. So during her time in college, she is suspected of killing her roommate, Andrea St. James. At the time, it was suspected to be an accident and officially she fell over her cat, known as Peter Gunn, and hit her head and died. Has anybody questioned this cat? Maybe he had something to do with it. She fell over the cat, maybe the cat tripped her. Mm, Interestingly, the cat also disappears from the records at this time. (laughs) So he couldn't talk. Oh, Annie getting rid of the the witnesses. (laughs) (laughs) That cat's got to (laughs) go. So after Annie's arrest, which we'll talk about later, officers began looking into suspicious deaths from her past and they now suspect that this one was murder. So they cleared the good name of, what was it again, Peter Gunn? Peter Gunn. (laughs) (laughs) Cleared the good name of Peter Gunn. Rest in peace, brother. (laughs) You were a good cat. That he was. (laughs) Unless you were the guy who influenced Kira Knightley's weird stalker whom yells outside her door. (laughs) Mm. Did you know that... The Dead Kennedys' first few albums, the producer credit is a cat. They couldn't decide on who would be the producer or who would get the producer credit or they didn't want to be fighting over it or whatever. So they had, there was a cat in the studio. Mm. So they gave the cat the production credit. And for years later, like people would be coming up to them asking other artists, like, you know, oh man, can we get in with that producer you got? Can we get in with that? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, we're making an appointment to talk to them. But it was all just the cat. And does the cat get paid for it? Did it get royalties? The reason the Dave Kennedys don't have their lead singer with them anymore is because of him not paying them their royalties. So I don't oh, reckon the cat was getting no. shit. <laughs> that was a smart move. <laughs> hey, you. Yeah, you. You like the podcast? Want some more? Then head on over to our Patreon page where for just five euro a month you get up to 12 extra shows in that month along with piles of mini-sodes covering fun facts from the world of horror and true crime. Each week we drop multiple shows such as Real Monsters where we look at the inspiration behind the movie killers or Behind the Mask where we take a look at the influential people and happenings in the world of Hollywood. All this, plus movie reviews, watch-alongs, and regular AMAs. That means ask me anything. You really do get a bang for your buck. And and by bang, I mean, like, podcast. I'm not soliciting or anything. Shit. Um, Moving on. For just five euro a month, all this could be yours. So head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash IAAPod. That's www.patreon.com forward slash IAAPod and start listening now. After graduating, she took up her first nursing job in St. Joseph's Hospital. Okay, so while at St. Joseph's Hospital, Ernest Gagnier and Hester Bolifont, both under Annie's care, died in March 1969. So this is the start of her official The body start, count. where you start to see yeah, The ones bodies. that uh, have been proven to be her. Mm-hmm. Or proven or almost, almost certain. certain, yeah. So Ernest was 79 and Hester was 84, and both of them died of a long-term illness. Two more unnamed patients for which the details haven't been made available to the public died under her care in September and October of 1969. Does that mean they were young? Or does it just mean there was just some vulnerability there that they couldn't... Um, I think these patients are, I think at the start, the patients were all older. They were the, all older. The majority, vast majority so were older at the start. I wonder they had the same rules as, do you know how like here, if you're underage, you get your anonymity. Thank you, Amy. But uh, you get that. <laughs> and uh, it's up to you if you want to let, you know, let people know who you yeah, are or what yeah. in those case, type of cases. Yeah. I wonder does the same apply then when someone's older and they have dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that since they're now a vulnerable person do they instantly become anonymous again? Um, without the say of the family or without the say of... Uh, I'm not sure but what I'm wondering is are the unnamed are, patients the patients that may be oh, almost certainly. And but, what, they were trying to cover them up a bit? 
No, but but as in because they can't say that these patients have a hundred percent been killed by any will. Oh, okay, suspected. Uh, suspected. Most that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah. So that's why maybe they kept the details back for that reason. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. So in late 1969, two more unnamed me- men died of long illness, and Paulette Simo died in early 1970 of short illness. Again, under her care. And at that stage, would that be? abnormal like that amount of people that amount of elderly people in hospital dying under her care would people be paying attention yet would they be starting to look into reasons for why these people were dying or would it just be a case of at the time they're old they're in hospital it's natural that's what happens move them on out like i mean this is what the 60s 70s yeah well there's that but like the majority of the patients that died under her care in st joseph's hospital were long illnesses as well so, so it was expected. It, was it would have normal. been expected. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. In 1970, Anne took up her second nursing job in Riverview Hospital as an ICU nurse. And again, patients under her care start to die. An elderly male patient dies of a long illness. Anotherly, another elderly male dies of short illness. And a comatose three-year-old dies after being admitted after falling down a well. So again, they're again, all vulnerable I, patients. I will ask... Mm-hmm. Did Annie kill that baby, or did the well kill that kid? <laughs> mm. See, could they really hold her on that one when the kid was comatose coming in? Like, there's a good chance, like that, that something could have just went wrong, or was it just a case that they could prove? They could probably type? prove. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, they could have had a stable. It, there must be a reason for yeah. it. Must, it's so hard. It's really kind of like because we know she didn't exactly get to talk and tell what happened in her own words. You're going mm. off of investigation. You never get the confession, like, you know? Oh, yeah, exactly. So between her time at Riverview Hospital in 1978, Annie led a kind of nomadic life working at Pittsburgh and Duluth and Fargo hospitals. We do know that a number of the deaths at these hospitals have since been attributed to Annie, but again, no details of these have been released to the public. Mm-hmm. Actually, her landlord at the time was also found dead in his home. And the cause of death was a severed Spinal cord. And do you know what the murder weapon was? Yeah. An ice cream scoop. Apparently. Why the ice cream scoop? <laughs> Why an ice cream? Was she just making ice cream at the time and she just decided to... No idea. Um, apparently it was jammed down the throat of the victim, striking the spinal cord until it snapped. So it was considered a home invasion. No one was ever charged with the murder. Oh, she went to his house? Uh-huh. It was in his I house. I don't know why. I just imagined that, that he called over to give her shit because of him being a landlord, you know, owning the house. We do know, though, from her landlord's neighbours that Annie had a run-in with him arguing over rent just days prior to his death. So maybe the cops didn't think he was a likely suspect. So it wraps right back around to the dead Kennedys. What? They have a song called, uh, is it Lynch the Landlord? <laughs> Ooh, Annie Wilkes was inspired by the dead Kennedys. <laughs> well, no, because that's the 70s and the dead Kennedys wouldn't be around until the 80s. <sighs> They could be inspired by her. Fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> in 1978, Annie began working in Denver Hospital. And in September, Laura D. Rothberg died on, of long illness under Annie's care. Oh, he sounds rich. Uh, she. She sounds rich. Yeah, again, I, she was, I think she was... Is that older. racist? Is she Jewish? Is that racist? I, I, I just thought of the Rothschilds and you said Rothberg, to be honest. Oh, I thought you were going after the name Laura. No, no, no. I was going after Rothschild fucking conspiracy. Uh, well, it sounds like a posh name. Yeah. yeah. So then the deaths under Annie's care stopped for a while. Interestingly, this coincides with Annie meeting Ralph Duggan, a physiotherapist. So the pair had a bit of a whirlwind romance and married in January 1979 in Denver and then settled down in Sidewinder. See, that's not that uncommon. I mean, the BTK killer, he mm-hmm. stopped for ages and it was kind of coinciding with his family life, getting busier and, you know, just him getting a bit older. But yeah. they reckon as well he got a job as a uh, kind of parks compliance officer. So he'd be a dog catcher and one of these guys who gives out you for your lawn. Like in too the long parks or, and rec department. Oh, this guy's a prick. Like, he's out there telling you. The guy, you, you were always saying, I couldn't live in America because of these people. Uh, the the homeowners you, association. Yeah, the colour of your house is wrong. That's the wrong you can't have that plant you know, your grass is too long you know all this kind of shit so that was his job and he loved it and that kind of satisfied his sadistic needs for a while but um same with 
the golden state killer mm-hmm. as soon as his kids were born i think he only has like one or two deaths attributed to him after his kids were born and one's one of those that's one of his last deaths is very close to the birth of his second child daughter and then he just stops so i mean family life for some of them does but i suppose it puts a block in it because it's harder for them to do what they were doing with a family life with kids with schedules and all that, that makes stuff. them seem more evil that it wasn't like a thing that's wrong in their head it was like a hundred percent a conscious decision that oh yeah, oh, yeah i'm just stop. gonna stop now yeah. well it's, it's like having a child and deciding to stop smoking you know because you've had a child like it it's just pretty much so well obviously yeah they ask me deeper stuff in there but yeah they do they do have the ability to control it to some yeah, degree to some degree yeah the thing about it is they don't have the emotion or the the sense of giving a shit to make the decision mm. to stop it just yeah. has to become an inconvenience you know that's the only way that they're going to stop is when it's like well now it's inconvenient for me to kill because a lot of, again those two guys cases they were getting older so now they're getting older it's harder to fucking do what they were doing mm. people can fight back you know, people get better of them technology is getting better this isn't the 70s anymore they can get caught very very easily with very little DNA evidence or whatever so you know the risk outweighs the reward now you have a family to take care of they, they just end up you know like we do uh, normal people do with hobbies it's like a hobby mm. that they just put to the side like for a while yeah, you know? yeah. so just over 18 months after getting married Ralph filed for divorce from Annie citing mental cruelty <laughs> yep. but see that's the other side of it both those guys although they gave up to a degree ended up going back it's like there is an urge there at the end of the day because btk it took him was it years and years i think it might have been 20 years 40 it was the 40th anniversary or something like that of his killings mm. and some guy wrote a book an article about him okay but wrote some wrong stuff and he got pissy and started writing to them and started threatening them that he'd start killing people again Ooh. and then he kind of got the high again of communicating with the police back and forth and technology caught him Course you know? yeah. I mean, the Golden State Killer now, and he's fair. As bad as he was doing at that point, it was making phone calls to his. Mm. So, like, his survivors, or the women he raped and didn't kill, yeah. he would continue to ring them over years, like, mm-hmm. do you know, where there's randomly they'd pick up the phone, like, it's like something out of the Ghostface uh, tril- uh, series. You pick up the phone, and he's just on the other. I could put it, I might put a clip of it on this, I'm not sure yet. But it's like him just basically going, you're a bitch, you're a bitch, I'm going to fucking kill you, I'm going to fucking kill you, I'm going to find you, I'm going to kill you. Now you're a bitch. That's all he'd be saying. He'd be gone again, and a couple of years later, he'd get enough, they could change their numbers, they could change where they live. He was still, he still watching finds them. Like, So that, that was his thing. He just wasn't doing anything about it, like you know. So obviously, Annie was eventually gonna go back to, to her normal nature, or oh, the yeah. way she gets shit done, like exactly. You know? uh, so after the divorce, the killings start again at a way more frequent rate. So three unnamed patients die in May 1981 of long illness. Three more patients die in June 1981 of long long illness. And mid to late 1981, seven more patients die, three of short illness and four of long illness. So that makes 13 patients in about six months. So when you say long and short, you mean like long is in someone who's cancer or something who's yeah. been sick for a very long time and short is like someone who just suddenly died in her care who shouldn't short have Short illness could be pneumonia, but like, okay. you know, as in, yeah. I, it was still going to be someone basically that someone like, who came in suddenly and she took an opportunity yeah, which she could to, to, exactly okay. exactly so but to help cope with her divorce Annie discovered these misery novels romance novels by Paul Sheldon and she completely lost herself in them especially latching on to the main character Misery Chastain so she became deeply invested in her love life and her backstory even going so far as to name her pig, Misery, her pet pig. Jesus. 
<laughs> yeah. So Annie actually moved to Boulder when she found out that Paul wrote his books there. In January 1982, Annie became chief obstetric nurse in Boulder Hospital, Colorado. And this is where things really start to catch up with Annie. So between January to July 1982, 10 unnamed infant patients died due to tainted formula. Well, what's tainted formula? Just making it wrong or not sterilizing the stuff? Could be either tainted formula, it could be both. Like she could be doubling up or tripling. And is that enough for that age for a baby? Like, you know, oh, for not that sterilizing? But, oh, like, any of that. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Just, that, they're that fragile. And they yeah. go, I forget, like we have two of these things, but they, they never seem that fragile to me. No, they're, they're fragile. Yup. Well, they did when they were tiny, 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 but still wouldn't be thinking like, oh, if I give them too much milk or not enough, you know, they, they, mm. could, not enough milk, it's just they won't stop crying, you just have to feed them more. Could have something mixed with the formula as well, like, you know. But uh, two of the of the infants had severe birth defects, and I don't know if that kind of plays into it something that was mentioned at the time. Well, again, was, we've said like the angel of death thing is they, they, they feel like they're putting you out of your misery, mm, like, you Well, know? yeah. I know, no, with Annie, uh, that, that doesn't play into it as much. I mean, not Annie as is much, more but a, I suppose it could still be a factor for and you kill just because you annoyed her and you're in her fucking way like do you know or, or she loves a, you too much <laughs> but uh yeah so but yeah but the angel of death side of her then would be like oh well these poor babies they're sick mm. uh, they're better off not to be here and not to be suffering exactly but obviously if there's a spike in the death of infants in a hospital there's going to be more eyebrows raised than if there was a spike in actually patients people, yeah, yeah. yeah so annie was tried for the death of these 11 infants but was eventually acquitted due to lack of evidence oh so she covered mm-hmm. her tracks she covered her tracks and i this is where she gets the cool name though, <laughs> exactly so she was dubbed the dragon lady by the press telling uh, you know annie you need to just she should have give up the nursing and went to wrestler Annie the Dragon Wilkes. Her in a tag team with Awesome Cop. <laughs> I wouldn't mind around if she got in there around the 80s. Vincent Mann would have been all about the, the nurse gimmick. It was all um, vocation gimmicks back then. You were a plumber, you were a builder, yeah. you were a dentist. So the, no, the dragon the nurse dragon Annie nurse. Wilkes. <laughs> they would have based her on you on from one flew over the cuckoo's nest and went with that oh yeah <laughs> she yeah. could have fucking been a valet for Kane when he was the Isaac Yankum character the dentist oh uh, Yankum. Uh, Yankum. <laughs> <laughs> the <MD>. so <laughs> so because she was dubbed the dragon lady by the press it kind of implied guilt to everyone and her career obviously wasn't. She got her serial killer killing. Yeah, exactly. So she was forced to retire. And the killings died down quite a lot during her retirement, but not completely. Retired from nursing, but just semi-retired from killing. (laughs) Exactly. A tiny bit more than semi-retired. Come back for the (laughs) special occasion visit. (laughs) So in mid to late October 1984, Andrew Pomeroy, a former painter and lover of Annie's, was found mutilated at the age of 23 and was she done for this or is this just assumed no because he was killed exactly it's it's because of the link because because he was around her and then it makes sense that you know what are the chances it's like that old joke yeah so a guy's hitchhiking and eventually Mm -hmm. after a few hours a guy pulls in picks him up and they're driving down the road and he turns to him and he says uh, I'm surprised you picked me up a lot of people are worried about serial killers out here on this road Mm. and the guy driving turned to him and said "Ah, well I knew it would be strange for two serial killers to be in the same car (laughs) what would you do in that situation (laughs) punch him and jump and roll out the fucking car or would you hold tough and be like yeah I agree with you and let on that you're a serial killer too that's how like one or two people got away from Ted Bundy definitely one girl what let on that she was a serial killer no 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 no. but rolled out of the car like they were in the car she was struggling it was one of the times he pretended to be a cop and he was Mm. taking her somewhere and she clicked and uh, she fucking like opened the door and rolled the fuck out like how did she click he pulled over and he started fucking screaming or trying to get her back in the car but when people started noticing obviously he gave up got in the car and drove off Christ yeah she just said the tuck and roll okay it's honesty time we have a confession to make we suck at socials no good at insta can't send a tweet or an x or whatever that super villain looking motherfucker is calling it now stick to your space cars elon but we know you want to chat 
You want to be kept updated. You want to be alive, alive all the goddamn time. So we're getting down from the antisocial soapbox and giving this a try. So come chat to us on Insta and Twitter at Alive Alive Pod or hit us up by email at itsalivealivepod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. This is a project. It's still a work in progress and we just want to give you more of what you like and less of what you can't stand. So give us a like, give us a follow. We'll always hit you back and we'll always try to reply to everyone. So come say hi. We don't bite. Well... At least Amy doesn't. And she keeps me well fed, so you got nothing to worry about. Now, back to the show! <laughs> in 1984, Dwayne Kushner, a young officer, went missing while he was investigating the case of Andrew Pomeroy. So blood samples were taken from the lawnmower found in Annie's basement during the rescue of Paul Sheldon, and they were matched to Andrew Pomeroy. So what, she just like took the old moor, stuck it in the corner and hit it? Because I knew she, yeah, I like, I've read the book about Paul Sheldon, and I know that she liked to kind of just bury her head in the sand with certain stuff. Stuff. Oh so yeah, yeah. Just a case. So I think I've heard about this. She she put the lawnmower in the basement, put a tarp over, bought a new lawnmower, and then just pretended like that she one didn't exist anymore. Exactly. And then that's how they linked her, isn't it? Yep. Silly Annie. Don't <laughs> keep evidence around the house. And then in 1987, Annie meets Paul Sheldon, and this is the story that she is most famous for. Meets is that what we're calling yep. it? <laughs> nice friendly meeting. And as we said, Anne had become obsessed with the Misery novels and with Paul Sheldon, even moving to Boulder. She was like using them in her defense and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. She, she was like quoting them in her court case. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she did actually used to stalk Paul, often sitting outside his hotel room, hoping to catch a glimpse of him and often followed him in her car. He never noticed. He never noticed. Nope. And it was on one such occasion that Paul wrecked his car during a blizzard near Annie's home. So Paul had been driving home at the time after having finished his new novel, unaware of the approaching blizzard. Mm-hmm. So Annie being the nursing type. and I'm Just about to say, look, your nurse was following. Oh, well, I use that terrible. term loosely. <laughs> rescued Paul from the wreck and brought him to her house. And Paul's injuries, they weren't life-threatening, but they were pretty painful. So he had two broken legs and a dislocated shoulder. Annie offered to care for him until the phone lines reopened and both, she told him, were out of action due to the blizzards. You'd have to believe that because, I mean, it was months before they found his car. Yeah, exactly. So, like, they were obviously waiting for the thaw. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that amount of snow wasn't going to... So we don't fast. know, we just get shitty snow over here. We get like one day of good snow and then it's just... One day snow. of good snow every few years <laughs> maybe, yeah. Not every year, <laughs> every few years. After that it's just slush. Ice. Ice and grey slush. So Annie was actually even able to offer him Novel or Novel as type of painkiller for his pain. But Paul actually had the good foresight that instead of taking the medication, he had actually started to stash them away. Because I think he kind of got the feeling from her from the start. Feel that it was, like that there was something wrong. Oh something yeah, off. something off with her. Well, I suppose you'd have to. I mean, like you'd almost feel the tension in the air, I suppose, when she's there and they're interacting with each other. Someone you don't know, they're taking care of you. Mm. You don't even even if there wasn't a, a violent tone to it or a, a scared tone to it, you'd still kind of be uptight and a bit tense in a situation where you're in a new surroundings or in a weird situation and, and you're completely you're, incapacitated and you're trusting this woman yeah. you've never met before like you exactly know? so while she was caring for him Annie actually noticed that Paul's new manuscript that he had got off to Boulder to finish called Fast Cars was in his bag and out of thanks Paul let her read it I don't think Paul actually realised how freaking odd she was until she actually read the script yeah yeah so <laughs> Paul's use of bad language in the script highly offended Annie and she flew into a massive rage with Paul. Yeah, I remember reading this in the Stephen King true crime book, Misery, and uh, apparently she did not like cursing, that she like replaced words like cursing with a cock duty was mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And heaven's a Betsy, that was a big one. Oh God, <laughs> oh God that was another one. Yeah, she tried words. To, and if she, and apparently, like Paul said, if she cursed, he said that she only cursed like once or twice in his presence. But if she cursed, he was he would have mm-hmm. trouble. Like so, mm-hmm. I mean, it ain't gonna get any better from here, people. Nope. Uh, so one evening during his stay with Annie, she came back from town with the last novel in the Misery series entitled Misery's Child that she hadn't read yet. 
Which, how big a fan was she if she hadn't read his last book yet? But it hadn't come out yet. Oh, hadn't that it? was the release date of it. Ah. He was in there. They'd been waiting, obviously, because back then, uh, everything doesn't move as fast. There's no digital release and all that. Obviously, There's, yeah. you know, the, the, the making it a book, printing it a book, releasing it a book. Mm. He was writing the new book while the marketing and the, the production of the Last Misery book was happening. Oh, fair So enough. that got released while he was, he was missing. Okay. So according to Paul, when she was reading the book, she showered him with praise until she found out that Misery had been killed off by Paul dying in childbirth. Obviously, that didn't sit well with Annie and she confronted Paul and she threatened to hit him with the side table, smashing it over his headboard instead. So narrowly missing him. But she held back that time. She held back that time. She didn't actually hurt him. To a degree. Yeah. yeah. She also informed him that she had not told a soul, no doctors, his publisher, nobody, that he was actually in the house with her. So this is when things get proper tense. She knows she's fucked. Oh yeah, and she knew things were tense as well because she got into her car and she drove off for a while. Okay. Yeah. So when she drove off, Paul took the opportunity to try and break out. But when he finally managed to get himself over to the bedroom door, he realised that it was locked and he collapsed, passed out. Well, this would have still been early on after his injuries, and that's oh, not yeah. that long into it. So, I mean. Probably collapsed from the strain of getting over there, like. Like I said to you last night when we were talking about this, after I had my motorbike accident and fucked up my foot, mm. and the thought of putting your foot in the ground, like, it was, oh, yeah. you know, it was pain and agony. So, you imagine two smashed no. fucking legs, and. And you're not even taking your painkillers either. Okay, so that's mm. it, you're feeling all of that, like. Mm-hmm. Paul said that the next thing that he remembers after that is being put back into the bed by Annie, seemingly in a far better mood when she returned. (laughs) (laughs) She just needs to blow off some steam. Uh, She told him that she needed to burn the manuscript for fast cars as it was what she described as filth because of the swearing. (laughs) <laughs> but didn't she like put a bit of a fucking religious spin on all of this at this point oh, yeah, she started yeah. getting all high and mighty with the this is what God wants and God wants you to rid, it, to rid the world of this filth and this kind of shit yep so Sheldon has said that Annie took the view that God had sent her to help him and then that this was the first step by burning the script Just saying that the, from what I've heard of this story so far it seems to be the first sign of her being overly religious there hasn't been much talk of her being like a, like I said last week with uh, with Howie and the, mm. the t- Sergeant Howie and, and the, the Wicker Man cult the big issue there was he was super religious and, and that's what brought him to his end yeah but if but, she was super obsessed with Paul she can kind of see she's trying every kind of angle and that's, under, it. that's it yeah. well like you asked me yesterday when you were researching it if I thought like uh, Annie meant to take care of Paul from the start or if had she had plans to hold him there and to keep him Mm. And I said to you, it's like, it seems like with Annie, it's like she kind of goes in with the best of intentions, but maybe a fantasy in her head. Mm. And I think she believed that by taking care of Paul Sheldon and being close to him, that he might fall in love with her and she'd have the perfect mm. life and perfect husband. Yeah. And then once the wheels start falling off, I'd say that, you know, once you realize, and I'd say this was the big point, is when he kills Misery, is almost like killing that dream for her. And now mm-hmm. he's seen her dark side, so there's a bit of a, a downward spiral and the tension gets more and then she mm. gets worse. And mm-hmm. So, yeah. Exactly. So after a while, when Paul was well enough to get out of bed, Annie brought him a table. So the, she put the table into his room beside the window and she also supplied him with a typewriter, which Paul has stated in interviews that it happened to be missing the uh, the N button so he was writing writing the script with no ends and uh, she told him that he was going to write her a new misery novel to correct the mistake that was misery's death so he was wanted a retcon she decided this thing wasn't canon anymore nope. this is, it's like a star wars fucking fan after the new movies came oh, out exactly. <laughs> it's like, we're just and they did this as well when the prequels came out it's just like we're just gonna pretend this never happened and do it again <laughs> and like, george looks like no fuck it <laughs> just give me your money and move on with it you fucking nerds <laughs> Maybe George Lucas and Annie should team up. (laughs) She also uh, brought Paul a ream of paper, but this paper Paul said was known for smudging. So he told Annie anyway that it would smudge, but she, she for the life of her, couldn't understand how how this paper would smudge because she told Paul that this was the most expensive paper in the shop, like she had paid the most for it. And... uh, we all know people like that. Yeah, we all know people like How that. How could that be that I spent this much money on it, that much money on oh, it? Right go off. away. Mine looks prettier. So she eventually did go, agree to go and get Paul the new paper, but not before dropping the ream of paper that she got Paul into Paul's lap. 
Which Paul said did con- so, considerable uh, pain. Yeah. Did she do it out of anger or she just kind of throw it and throw it kind of casually drop it out? Oh no, I'd say it was, it was, it was, oh, I'm going to do this, but fuck you. So that was, he did get her out of the house, but it was all a bit of a ruse as Paul had found a bobby pin on the floor and he wanted to get Annie out of the house so that he could try and escape. So I never understood this while he was trying to escape because from what I have read, Annie's house was in the middle of fucking nowhere. Where is this guy going to go with his two broken legs? You know, it's actually oh, going to find yeah. him outside the door, passed out in the cold. But that's it's, it. You're like, not yeah. going to get far. Like. like, he does manage to get out of the bedroom, but he doesn't manage to get out of the house at all. Nah, I wouldn't think so. Nah. But he did take a bit of a wander through the house, though, and he said what he found, what he said he found was a drugstore in her closet and dozens of packets of that novel that she'd been oh, given him. so mm. she had like a stash of painkillers oh yeah not oh. just painkillers uh, there was a, like he said like there was a whole load of bottles medical and, cabinet like. yeah yeah but, exactly and why didn't he um, just call for help at this point himself he's out he's about there's a phone just no, there was a phone in the sitting room but the phone was gutted oh so, so there's nothing, there's nothing that, that's it like there was nothing in the phone so she could be maybe maybe she did fool herself maybe she was in her head that she was sitting down trying the phone thinking oh the lines are cut like maybe she was that Maybe. You know. Yeah. So Paul kind of, you know, uh, bided his time writing and sharing Annie and compliments to try and keep her in a good mood. And occasionally he ventured out of his room when he could while Annie was out of the house. Um, while he was writing his novel the whole time and while every time he said that he had a chapter finished, Annie was keeping up reading the chapter behind him. And but surely this couldn't have been any good. He must have been like just fucking writing for the sake of fucking writing. No, Annie was kind of on the ball there with quality control, making sure that he was turning out a, a decent misery, misery novel. Standard, like, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 and then because of that, she was full of praise for him. Like he was, yeah, yeah great writing. <laughs> so kind of riding off Annie's good mood, Paul invited her for dinner. Right, but that it wasn't out of friendship or anything like that. He was trying to poison Annie by slipping her. He wasn't getting the Stockholm syndrome. No, no, not at all. He was, do you know the uh, the, the novel capsules that he yeah, had yeah. been? Yes, yeah, so he was trying to slip her the contents of the capsules, which he actually managed to do, but he didn't manage to poison her. What there was, was a candle do? on the table for the dinner. Yeah, and that had been knocked over, and obviously it was candle. So Annie went to pick up the candle, and she knocked the wine at the same time. Oh, so, so he put the stuff in. Oh, the wine. he got the stuff into the wine. Yeah, yeah, okay. but she knocked it unknowingly back out. Ah. So yeah, imagine that waiting for it to take a sip and then it's gone. Do you feel like she might have known? That seems like such a coincidence that the one time he makes an attempt at her and it's such a random thing like a glass, and she manages to knock it over. Do you think like she had been watching it? She was that kind of sly, like playing a game, or is she too unstable? No, no, I think Paul has mentioned. That he had asked her to go get that candle to give himself an opportunity. Yeah. So it's hard to tell. She could easily have, you know, have had. So I think if if you're in that situation yourself, <laughs> if you're as smart as, not as smart, but if you're as cunning as her when it comes to things like that, yeah, I think that you have moves. to be aware that there's a threat there to you also. But the mood swings she'd have, like, you know, because she was known for going up and down and up and yeah. down, depression and all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, if she thought suddenly that this guy that she loved is is keeping these tablets for nefarious reasons it might bring her mood down instead of up whereas she'd have dinner with him so maybe she didn't know I don't know it's again yeah. something we're never going to know no, really no one night not long after the dinner Paul said that Annie came into his room very depressed and began talking about how his legs are nearly better and that she was afraid that he was going to leave her once the ankles healed yeah well duh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> obviously and uh, that's when she took out a gun Mm, and told Paul that she sometimes thinks about using it and then she drove off again for a while yeah so, so that's, Paul you gotta be <laughs> starting to get sit worried with a lot. at this point <laughs> exactly so, uh, he realised he really did realise that the time came to kind of put some serious thought into getting out of the house like any sane person would have so he broke out of his room again and on this occasion Paul actually came across a scrapbook in her sitting room containing newspaper cutouts relating to victims that had died in her care so on top of everything else, he's seen her in her age, he's seen her in her depression, and now he's seen the scrapbook that shows she's pretty much a serial killer. Yep. So that's probably what made him decide to grab a knife from the knife block in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yep. I would yep. definitely agree with that decision. If you're not able to get out of the house, you grab a knife. So according to Paul, he hid the knife in the sling on his arm, and he lay in bed waiting for Annie to come home. But instead of going in to check on him, she went straight upstairs to her room. 
So he thought he was safe for the night and he put his knife in under his mattress and he went to sleep. Okay. But the next morning, Paul said that when he woke up, he found himself strapped to the bed. Well, it's a person like Annie. She's going to notice that knife missing. Oh, yeah. The minute she got home and she looked at that block, she would know the knife is missing. She'd be meticulous that way. Oh, definitely. She probably has just stock all the time. (laughs) Every night. Paul reckons from the way he felt in himself that morning that Annie must have drugged him in the middle of the night. And obviously, I mean, if you're in that much pain with broken legs and you're being strapped to a bed, you so either way Annie had found out about his excursions because of a misplaced figurine in the sitting room which had been knocked out of place so you're See, dead right about yeah. the knives yeah and definitely spot the knife missing so yep <laughs> so in order to stop him from wandering again she placed a piece of 16 inch 4 by 4 wood between Paul's ankles and smashed each ankle with a sledgehammer Ooh. crushing the bones in his ankles. Fucking hell. Mm. So this was a punishment that was used in the early days of the Kimberley Diamond Mine. Like it's been used throughout history but most recently in the Kimberley Diamond Mines and it's how they dealt with workers who stole diamonds. So it's known as hobbling and it was meant to you know they keep working but they couldn't fake off with the diamonds. I, you keep saying that to me when you're researching it. How the fuck do you keep working in that state? You drag like? yourself around. You're 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 Ooh. Your ankles will heal, but they won't heal properly. Jesus. You know, so you're not going to be able to run away. Oh, you can keep working like your 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 arms are working. That's the way that'd be. And this is as. like the blood diamond kind of mine mm, places. Yeah, Africa. Oh, yup. So after the new misery had been finished, and after about six months of captivity by Annie, a Colorado State Trooper by the name of Buster discovered Sheldon in Wilkes's house. To be fair to him, it is kind of cool how he ended up at her door. He was a oh, pretty yeah. good cop in offense. He was determined to find mm-hmm. Paul Sheldon one way or the other. I mean, to the point where like he went away and he read the misery books. He did. Just to see if he could get an insight into Paul, like, you know? Yeah. And then when he went to talk to the local uh, bookshop, what, what do we call convenience him? Convenience store guy. It was a small town, so the guy yeah. that sold the books in that town, <laughs> along with Milk. other bits of anything and everything. <laughs> I mean, Buster asked him about super fans straight away, like, and he was the first day to come up. Like, she was there, pre-ordered, copy yeah. waiting as soon as got released. Yeah. And then Buster asked her about, about him, asked him about her buying anything else strange, and he was just like, paper, and uh, you know that kind of say put the light bulb off in his head and then when he here. looked up the investigation on Annie mm-hmm. and started seeing all the quotes from Misery I mean he had to know what that's oh exactly he had yeah. her, he, he had the right he was in the right direction he definitely. certainly he should have brought back up though definitely well, it's a small town he was the only cop in the, the whole bring, area wasn't he? Uh, was his wife not working with him though on the case why not bring uh, her but again small town I think she was only working on the case because she was there would you let me work on the case with you? Oh, we'd be bad. <laughs> that would be class. <laughs> they could make a TV show about us. Oh. <laughs> I'd have to get nicknames. Proper nicknames. Oh, God. So before Buster could help Paul, he was shot through the chest by Annie with a shotgun. And when Annie had heard Buster's car come up the road to her house, she drugged Paul and put him into the basement. Mm-hmm. And when Paul came to properly, Buster's body was lying beside him and Annie was standing over him with the gun in her hand. So Annie kind of knew this was the end, like, didn't she? She, she was after shooting a cop for the position. Yeah. She must have had a feeling. Like. Yeah. And she was kind of proposing another murder-suicide, so, yeah. yeah. So that, in her view, is kind of like a morbid way of, of celebrating the Misery novel. According to Paul. So what it would be like, you've written this book for me. Would she not have wanted to read? Oh, well, she's been reading it as he's writing it. So she's getting... So instead of her being being let down by Misery's death, she dies knowing Misery is safe. Mm -hmm. So then she can die with Paul Sheldon, who can never write another book killing Misery again. Ah, it just clicked at me. Exactly. Paul agreed to the whole murder-suicide, but he told Annie that as part of his tradition on finishing a novel that he first needed a bottle of Dom Perignon champagne and a cigarette. Okay, not asking much. Not asking much. (laughs) So Annie, obviously still being one of his biggest fans, agreed to this and she moved him back upstairs and she went about getting him the champagne and the cigarette. So when Annie came back to him, Paul used lighter fluid, which he says he managed to smuggle out of the basement to set the manuscript alight. And while Annie tried to struggle to put out the fire, Sheldon overpowered her by whacking her over the head with a typewriter and choking her. Uh-huh. Coming back to bite her in the ass. He she did to him, he did to her. Uh-huh. This time he was prepared. So Sheldon said that a bit of a struggle kind of ensued, but he managed to grip, to, to trip Annie 
and making her crack her head off the typewriter. So officially, that's how she died, by cracking her head off the typewriter that she forced Paul to use. But according to Paul, she recovered from this and attacked him again, but he killed her by ramming a metal statue of her pet pig, Misery, into her head. Stephen King said this is embellishment and he's been Paul Sheldon's story that he kind of put that in there himself for the final scare in a horror movie. Like I said about Randy's rules and the ghost face yeah. and stuff. That's what he was doing, that he was trying to make it more dramatic. That's oh, all. yeah. I've heard other versions of her being... Uh, Found in her uh, barn. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. There's lots of other versions, but from what I've seen, the official report is she cracked her head, got her head cracked open <laughs> on that typewriter, and that was it. She died of a fractured skull. So, and that was the end of Annie Wilkes, the Dragon Lady. Yep, she sounds nice. Crazy story, and definitely mm-hmm. not going to be the only one that we get. It'll be sourced from uh, Stephen King. Absolutely, <laughs> he's got plenty of books there for us to be reading. But um, it's amazing how to get away with it for so long. Mm, yeah, yeah. Do you know, I know it's all technology you now, and, well, and, yeah, and it's that I mean, that's why you don't massive. have as many serial killers anymore. They, they get caught quicker, and mm. you know, all the web has this stuff linked up, so we can we can see the records, we can work stuff out quicker, patterns can, are easier yeah. to find. You know. Yeah. And next week we will be looking at another. We'll be looking at a family. Mm-hmm. A family who got away with murder for a very long time. And that again just comes down to them not having technology, not being able to pass their own information, get the data properly, mm. or get DNA. I mean, if they had had DNA back when this first thing happened, they probably would have been able to start putting the pieces oh, together. Oh, definitely. But the thing I'm going to talk about next week, for the first 13 years after it happened, people didn't even believe it happened. And then it just started happening again and again. And then it starts getting tied up in all this fucking conspiracy Illuminati stuff. It's going to be a crazy two weeks because I'm going for two weeks this time. Sounds like Jeepers Creepers. Oh, this this is just... (laughs) It's been been really fun to research, really fun to get into, but it's crazy. Can't wait. Yes. But that's next week. This week, thanks to my art procrastinating, I still have to edit and... uh, Get all this stuff ready. Change from my to our very fast. (laughs) (laughs) Our. Our procrastinating that we now don't have a week of a buffer between episodes and launching. I have only (laughs) ever said I need to postpone tonight. You come to me every like week. It's like, ah, sure, we're time enough doing it. We're grand. We got loads of time. I got another 10 minutes before it's got to be up. (laughs) No, no. Like I said, we will work better under pressure. And it's alright for you, you got another like three weeks before you gotta tell us another story. I sure do. <laughs> and then I have another bit of a break and then I get to tell you another story. But you'll be caught help covering the bonus episodes on Patreon mm-hmm. that you can get for five euro five dollars a month. Outside that, start recommending us to friends, subscribe, leave reviews, follow us on Instagram and oh, the one thing we said we'd never do, TikTok. TikTok. We're not doing any TikTok dances, we're just yes. posting some really cool horror stuff. So come here, check us out. We're on everything. We're talking to people. We're being social. Fuck me. Until next week, I'm Dr. Smokenstein. She's Sexy Amy Rose. See you later. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.